Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, Marathon Madness, Brainy Nuggets, and we have part one of our interview with Ruth Hughes. Welcome, my friends, to, to The Kindness Project. I almost said Bowdry Corner there, but that's my little project that I run with Sophie. Welcome, my friends, to The Kindness Project. I am joined by member number one of the Chicken Nuggets fan club, it's Charlotte Dames. And I'm joined by a man who'd walk 500 miles. Well, no, (laughs) not really. He'd run 26. It's Chris Dames. Oh, you know what, Charlotte? My legs are absolutely killing me. I did a thing on Saturday at my gym called Fit or Quit. I felt like quitting. And I ran 14 miles this morning. Why? What? Because I am training for the marathon. 26 miles. 26 miles. And I am getting ready. But that's not been my worst training experience so far. Let me tell you about that. It was a 12-miler the other night. It was dark. It was raining. And it was windy. And I got to 10 miles and looked at my phone. And the Uber app was shining brightly. I was like, shall I press it? I? And I didn't in the end. I, I managed to get the last two miles home, but never before have I wanted to get an Uber so much in my life. <laughs> I've been slightly intoxicated in London and known I had to get an Uber app. I wanted to get an Uber more 10 miles into that 12-mile run than being stuck in London at two in the morning. So but you got it, you got it. I did, I got there, I got there. So running, running is going well. 14 miles down. I'm going to try for a 17, 18 miler on Sunday, ready for my London Marathon at the end of April. Mm. So it should be good fun. Um, what's going on in your world? Mocks. Mocks. Are, are, are they going? Yeah, they're making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're mocking you. Um, talk to me, right? Talk to me about chicken nuggets because I'm not a fan. I'm not either. What? Hold on. You just said I. You before we started this podcast, you whispered into the mic. I love chicken nuggets. Because I was going to say something and I forgot. And whenever my mind goes blank, for some reason, the first thing that comes to mind is always chicken nuggets. And I would pick any other food over chicken nuggets. Well, maybe not like you know that weird mush we had in Japan that was kind of what weird mush we? Oh, uh, you're talking about. Um, Sea urchin. Oh, uh, I, 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 would, I would eat dog poo over sea urchin. That's how so would I. Yeah. Would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> I was thinking more dog food, but like. Yeah, yeah. But sea urchin isn't a pleasant experience. Yeah, the chicken nuggets is one of those things that we just don't have it that much. I'm not no. that fond of it, but sometimes it's just one of those things, random brain things, you know. You've... But you know what? The problem is with chicken nuggets, and to a certain extent turkey twizzlers is it's all of the stuff that what the heck is a turkey twizzler well you don't know what a turkey twizzler is no i don't know what a turkey twizzler is basically it's a chicken nugget full of turkey oh. and jamie oliver the chef went on a bit of a campaign a few years ago to ban turkey twizzlers because they used to serve them in schools oh i remember and that and he showed all the kids what went in them and they went yeah, yeah. still eat them yeah he's like yep <laughs> what's the matter with that <laughs> mashed up brains yeah bang that in there but yeah i mean basically turkey twizzlers chicken nuggets and to a certain extent burgers um depending on where they are produced what do, yeah do contain rubbish bits of like unusual and and the, the bits of an animal that can't be used conventionally in a steak or ribs or whatever. So, so yeah, yeah. it's not normally the it's not normally. If the you good wouldn't stuff. eat, uh, if you can't eat a human part of it, you can't eat the animal part. That's what I say. So you can't eat the brain because there's toxins in there. That... What bit of a human would you eat just out of interest? <laughs> there's whole parts of like the human body that are safe to eat, and parts that aren't. So like the brain. Sorry, when when did you go to cannibal school? And me me not realised. When did you do this course in cannibalism? Go on, tell me. What parts of the human body are safe to eat? The thighs. The, um, the thighs. The arse. So, where have you learned this? Thighs and arse are alright to eat on a human. But not the brain. Oh. <laughs> 
Because no, the brain. Just you. give me a bit of bum. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are stuff in the brain <laughs> right. that can degenerate cells in your own brain. Don't do it. No, because you would Deadly. catch it. If you ate a brain, you would catch it. But you can eat sheep's brain because that's a delicacy in country. Yeah, yeah, countries. you can eat sheep's brain. Yeah. But don't eat human brain because... Well, <laughs> going back to this cannibalism education, where did you learn um, this? Okay, so... I I was writing a story about a cannibal and I did some research because I, I had a real obsession with the, the show Hannibal and I was like, right, I'm going to write my own cannibal. So I was like, I'll do some research on what parts of the human body are safe to eat. Right. And what apart from the thighs and the butt, <laughs> what else can you have? Um, I'm pretty sure the ribs. It's the most conventional meat the you ribs. can. Not the actual ribs themselves, but, you know, the meat yeah. that... Kind of clings the to them. Um, I think it's the most conventional parts from animal meats. So like yeah. heart, kidney, liver, you can eat, but you can't eat the brain. Okay. I wouldn't recommend the pancreas. It's but there is a there is a movie that was I think the third Hannibal Lecter movie. I haven't seen it. Where yet. he did eat a brain. That's why he's psycho. I don't think eating, <laughs> I don't think he was psycho after he ate the brain. Well, it probably made it worse. I think I think he was a little bit psycho before he ate. That's why he's a cannibal. Because you don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'll, I'm just going to have a little bit of brain. Suddenly I'm a cannibal. You've got <laughs> to be a cannibal to eat the brain in the first place. Did you know that eating human, being a cannibal is actually bad for your health? Yeah. <laughs> Really? <laughs> not really? just it's not safe to eat any part of your human body, yeah. but being a cannibal, so being a cannibal is just generally bad for you. I like I like the way you went to ba- to bad for your health as opposed to illegal <laughs> and ethically very dubious <laughs> and one of the worst things you could do in the world. Uh, oh, you know what? Watch it. Act. It's not it's not like drinking beer, is it? It's like <laughs> Yeah, so well, you do you know, you, do you do know you cannibalism? Have... Yeah, but... The only thing you need to worry about, bad for your health. See, the thing is, I've progressed from trying to write that short story to trying to write that audio drama thingy called Cooking with Cannibals. Oh, right. And it was like, I was trying to make up all these recipes about how you'd cook with human meat. And she's, was... listeners, she's talking about fiction she's writing, yes, by the way. Yes, um, yes, um, But yeah, okay, so, so we've decided that we're not going to be cannibals, not because it's illegal or ethically incorrect. It's bad for your health. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it, guys. It's bad for your health. Um, can you... Uh, I've just realised I haven't got a question in the podcast. What things are bad for your health that you guys love? Oh, amazing. High five. Me, cannibalism. What? <laughs> what do you absolutely adore that's bad for your health? Cannibalism not included. Um, Mint we're, humbugs. We're, we're having that. Is it? Is oh, ginger it? Nuts. I, mean, I mean, for me, hobnobs. I am quite a healthy person nowadays. Um, I still like a drink or three, and I still enjoy it. So I, I've got a sweet tooth, so a sweet tooth always gets me. So I think uh, a- chocolate and alcohol are my two vices. I am a bread person. Like bread galore, bread for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Okay, maybe not dinner because. But this morning I had toast, <laughs> and at lunch I had a sandwich, which is my typical, my typical. But you know what? I've cut out bread for my diet, oh, and I, and I'm no, genuinely, I'm not missing it at all. I am not missing bread at all. I've replaced it with human brains, which might be an issue, but... Oh, no, wrong, wrong part! <laughs> it's bad for your health, clearly. Bad for your health. You, yeah. you, you want to take something nice and juicy like the liver. Uh, lovely. <laughs> um, where can people tell us what they love that's bad for their health? Uh, Facebook, um, the, at The Kindness Project, uh, or at Ola Kindness on Twitter. Uh, the email is ola at thekindnessproject.co.uk. And you can just Google us because we come up right at the top because we're yeah. big now, apparently. Yeah, we're, we're, we're actually popular. A kindness popular. podcast that talks about cannibalism for some reason. <sighs> Don't you just love it? Yeah. Maybe maybe our massively popular Spotify review might be uh, might 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 not apply. They anymore. signed up for this shambolic <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> anyway, um, let us know uh, what you'd 
you love that's bad for your health um, or not particularly good for you, but you're you're going to indulge anyway. And Do it let's anyway. crack on with the show. So. So. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 um, I'm going to share some fun facts today. So it's happy news, fun facts edition. Did you know that male bottlenose dolphins have names for each other? I like to, I like to think uh, a dolphin, one dolphin is called Alan, another is called Steve, mm. and another is called Philodipus. Like there's one rogue um uh dolphin with a really weird name that um yeah that, that, that just is excluded by the group poseidon or something like that uh, one, one's called alan one called one's called steve and one's called it's like poseidon. that bit in the game uh undertale and it's like hoy this is my best friend temmy and then they're all called temmy and it's like hoy this is, i'm temmy and this is my best friend and then the next one along goes hi i'm bob yeah, and there's like five of them in the line. They're all called Temmie, and they're just Bob at the end. Like, but I wonder. I wonder. I'd like to know what the literal. I mean, clearly there's no translation because yeah. it will be like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, and and here's another fun fact for good news. Good news. Uh, the good news section of the podcast. Did you know? that scientists discovered a new kind of spider that looks like the sorting hat from Harry Potter. And they named it Eurovixia Gryffindori. <laughs> now, that is amazing. But that happens quite a lot because like people find stars in the sky and will name them after their favourite scientist yeah. or, or their themselves person. sometimes if they're that self-centred. I wonder if there's a... <laughs> I named that star... Christopher Dames. Um, uh, well, no, because yeah. think about it. That uh, what was his face? Brezhnev, the Cold War, and all the others were like, "Yeah, we'll name it something different." Other than like Truman and Marshall, but that they and they were like, "Yeah, we'll name it something different." And he was like, "You know what? This is the Brezhnev doctrine. We're gonna keep you lots in." Yeah. No, 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 no. But you know, you know what, right? I'm, I'm reading about the, um, I'm reading about Chernobyl at the minute, because mm. um, for some bizarre reason, your granddad likes to go to the most depressing places in the world. Radiation, so, guys. So, so we are off to Kiev, which looks lovely, but also to Pripyat and Chernobyl, which it will be interesting, I'm sure. So I'm reading a book on Chernobyl at the minute, and you know what? It's interesting when you look at Russian and Soviet culture um, and the fact that behind the Iron Curtain, um, they didn't like to admit mistakes. Mm -hmm. And there was actually nuclear accidents that happened before Chernobyl that nobody Mm -hmm. knew about. And they just didn't learn from their mistakes Mm -hmm. because they didn't want to admit they'd made them because it was against their culture. Now, I know we're, we live in a different culture. Yeah, like... Um, but, but it's interesting how... Yeah, um, you know they weren't willing to make mistakes, or they weren't willing to admit, admit their late leaders would make mistakes. Because I was sitting in my Cold War exam today, and something I remembered was that um, they had a leader, uh, Khrushchev, and he pulled missiles out of Cuba, the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that. And because he made the mistake of negotiating with um, the US, uh, he got voted out of power. Because they all saw him as weak because he made yeah. a mistake. Yeah. He made one mistake and they all saw him as weak. Yeah, but 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 interestingly, and I think we we live in a community where um, we li- we li- we live in a society at the minute where there we're moving towards a more dominance of a like strongman leader. I don't think that's good long term for the uh, for, for the world. I think we need. I was going to say people. for the mental health of men, but yeah, sure. no, that's true. But we need more people to ju- just turn around and go. We don't always get it right. We're going to ask for help. Um, but but don't p- press the button to a nuclear missile and go whoopsies. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> that, is that the reaction you'd expect? No, this is the reaction I don't want. Whoopsie. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Let me share one one other piece of good news for you. Um, more UK schools are embracing mindfulness. An increasing number of UK schools, particularly those in deprived areas, are finding that teaching mindfulness is helping their children. And in some cases, workshops as have been run for the parents too to cope with the pressures and stresses of their lives both at home and at school. There are often substantial strains on children in such areas, gangs, gun crime and other violence, concerns over the parental unemployment and financial hardship and cases involving abuse, homelessness and multiple foster carers. Mindfulness can and has been proven to help children deal with the issues they face and improve both their mental health and their academic performance. I like that. Yeah, so do I. T- teaching kids a wide range of life skills, I think, is... Yeah, yeah, work. definitely. And, and mindfulness is definitely one of them. So, well done, UK schools. Woo. Shall we get on with the show? Let's get to it. So this week we've got the first part of what's going to be a a three part um, uh, um, interview with with a lady called Ruth Hughes. Now Ruth um, is amazing because she's a coach and she talks about effectively being kinder to yourself. So during a, a quite an in-depth conversation, we included sort of topics like avoiding comparisons, only worrying about what we can control, forgiving yourself when making mistakes, ignoring the noise, protecting your own, own mental health, having a, my favourite subject, Charlotte, a growth a mindset... mindset. Don't say it like that. Growth mindset. That was almost as bad as your happy news. Um, times I and phrase, growth mindset. It's important. It's an important phrase. It's getting old. <laughs> um, and asking for help when you need it. So Ruth talks about all those subjects, mm. uh, many of which she talks about in the first part of this interview. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Hi Ruth, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Chris. Amazing. Nice to meet you. Lovely, lovely to see you as well. Well, I mean, nice to meet you. We have spoken on the phone We've a couple on of times. Phone, haven't we? First time I've actually met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Very good. Nice. And I've got to apologise. I am, I am sporting a bit of a facial hair thing right. today. I hadn't noticed. Um, <laughs> and the re- the reason, the reason being is because one of my, one of my, one of my pleasures in life is a really good Turkish shave, you right. know, and I sort of feel a bit disingenuous <laughs> if I don't grow it out a okay, bit before so you've been going. Saving up. I have been saving up my my beard hair to Brilliant. have a really good Turkish shave, so so that's the reason. It's all right. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, 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 I didn't, beards on me never last long because right. I always get a bit itchy and I always uh, always uh, always annoys me a bit. Um, and um, lemon curd for breakfast as yeah, well. You tell me about that. Well, just raided, just raided. My my sister's cupboard. Okay. Um, yeah, not usual for lemon curd, but I was in a hurry and I was up at six a.m. because I had to um, catch the tube across London. So where was your sister lives? She lives west. Uh, yeah, between Ellsfield and Southfield. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because you had a lecture this morning, right? Because I had a lecture this morning. How'd it go? Yeah, really good. Um, great bunch of students at, at UEL um, and very interested in... We were doing psychological um, interventions and scales this morning, looking at positive psychology and um, some of Dr Ilona Bonniewell's work on how different interventions can improve the quality of your life. In and are these ways. coaching interventions typically? Uh, no, they can be absolutely anything. So um, active interventions might include dance or walking or aerobic exercise or mindfulness interventions or kindness or gratitude or forgiveness interventions whole whole range of different things interesting really good so we've spoke a little bit about your lecture but before our audience understand a bit more about that tell us a little bit about you okay when i saw that i thought oh what how am i going to answer that particular question because um there's always more than one you in you, isn't there? So okay. I, I would say on a personal level, I'm an intensely curious human being. Okay. And I'm somebody who's lived in a lot of different places and who's had quite a lot of different jobs. Okay. Um, so the answer is quite complicated. But at the moment, um, I'm the director of a company called Curious Human that works with people um, undergoing cultural transition. Okay. Um, so, and that's a whole variety of, of, of different things. But who I am as a person, I would say, is 
a very curious person who's interested in how people belong okay. to where they where they are. And where do you think that curiosity comes from? Uh, I think it was both something I was born with and something that I've grown. Okay. Uh, and it's one of those things that that's a, a virtuous circle. So, the more interesting you find life, the more interesting life becomes. I agree. I yeah. absolutely agree. Uh, and, and specifically in the area of understanding how people, people and cultures uh, and uh, people adapt to different situations, how did you get in- interested in that specific okay, so, area? Okay, um, so I'm from a culturally mixed background. Um, my mum's half Danish and half Norwegian. She grew okay. up in Africa. My, pop, my dad was of Portuguese Jewish stock. Okay. Um, and... All of my family live in different places in the world, so I've got a lot of family in Australia, America, Scandinavia, Africa, Mm. Um, and so I never felt particularly English. I didn't really know what that meant, although culturally, of course, I am, and and I felt very British, and I really felt really European. Okay. And then, so Brexit's an interesting (laughs) one for me. Um, But I suppose just that... um, that got me started and then I, I my first job when I left school was in the Netherlands okay and then oh, I went to university um, and studied English literature and then I ended up um, teaching in Zambia for 11 years okay and I underwent culture shock myself at the time but I didn't know that that was what it was or what it was called sure and when I came back I worked in schools um, particularly supporting international students as they acculturated so my own experience was really helpful in trying to understand what they did and then I did the the boarding management course with Roehampton University and the boarding schools association Um, and I studied culture shock and I looked at um, how people adjusted yeah Uh, so so just again curious how important is identity to you and how, how, how do you think that's manifested in, in how people think about their own lives? I think identity is really crucial, um, but I, I did some research uh, I, I, at, the, at the end of the story. In, in, I, I ended up doing a master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology, where again I did research into culture shock. Okay. Um, and so as positive psychology looks at, rather than the mainstream field of psychology, which looks at what's wrong with people and how to put it right, positive psychology looks at what's right with people yep. and studies those elements of flourishing yep. and then seeks to apply evidence-based interventions to help everybody flourish more. Yep. Nobody had really done that with culture shock. Okay. In fact, if you look at the research on culture shock, it suggests that moving countries or cultures within countries, and not just international, so I work also with students who come from non-traditional academic backgrounds, and they're moving into an academic higher education. Exactly, and that can be just as much of a culture shock. I also work with um, leaders in, in companies who have moved from middle management to senior leadership, and that in itself is a culture shock. Okay. But the, the research that I was doing on international culture shock suggests that it's very damaging in terms of its impact on your identity. And, and, and traditionally, people have various ways of, of coping with that, including just sticking to their own cultural boundaries, you know, in terms of expat communities yeah. that don't yeah. mix or integrate, or completely assimilating and turning against their own culture, or learning to acculturate so that you have a little bit of uh, yeah. of both. Um, and so I was really interested in how that worked. And then the research that I've done was fascinating because I came across people like Jabrowski who, who had a personality dis- disintegration theory, which never really very popular. I think it sounds a bit scary, doesn't it, personality disintegration? Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Um, he, his theory was that in times of adversity your sense of self shattered okay and then had to be rebuilt so i i found that that was true not so much in terms of personality but in terms of identity right so i think there are aspects of identity that are if not constant at least very stable 
Okay. And one of the reasons that the, the work that I do, um, I really like strengths work. Okay. So I'm build, building on the work of Nemiak and, and Pedersen and, and Martin Seligman with the Virtues in Action um, Character Strength Survey. Okay. And that's free. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. anybody can access that, that survey and take it. But it looks at the... There's a series of 24 virtues that are common to all people that everybody has all of, but... But in some, different gradations. In different right? gradations. So give me an so, example of some so of those my to, All right, so my top five, uh, love of learning, curiosity, okay. creativity, perspective and love. Okay. Um, and if you activate your top strengths, if you either unconsciously or consciously use them and utilise them in your daily life, you feel more alive, you feel more energised. Yeah, yeah, There are other strength surveys, some of which you pay, you, you pay for, but... They work on that principle that the things that are core to making you you can be activated mm. and, and and can create more meaning in your life. Yeah, it's about understanding your values, is it? Yeah, understand yeah. what's important to you in, in understand, your life. But, but when I say that, I don't personally believe that we have fixed identities because, yeah. to me, identity is negotiated and social. We're social creatures yeah. Yeah. and the environment that we're in you, 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 there's a fantastic book by uh, Kwame Apaya called The Lies That Bind okay. um, where he talks about our different kinds of identities yep. um, and, that, and that they're negotiated so sure. you can have the identity that you feel you are but isn't necessarily accepted in the environment that you're in and and, and so a kind of and I think that's really apparent in the case of culture shock Mm. where people go somewhere else a lot of their their map of the world their way of understanding life changes doesn't cha- it well it it doesn't work yeah it's sure, not sure. that it's wrong yeah yeah but it's like you know you've got different kinds of maps you have an ordnance survey yeah. and you have a road map and if you use the wrong kind of map in the wrong kind of circumstance if it doesn't fit yeah. it feels like the world isn't working properly yeah sure sure but sure. it's actually just our interpretation of yeah. the world that comes up against other realities and and pump some people just naturally inclined to be more adaptable so to change their map to suit their circumstance or do you think that's a that's a learned process i'm sure that there is something to do with a predisposition but i do think a lot of it is strategic and learned because we can get better of it sure and also i'm a great fan of carol dweck yeah well we're gonna (laughs) so am i and we're gonna talk a bit about growth mindset later on and and uh it's it's interesting and 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 when you when you did your research on Mm. on culture shock Mm -hmm. did you find that it was easier to adapt based on um youth was, was there an age differential? Um, actually, it didn't come out like that. Okay. Um, because a number of the people that I spoke to had moved several times, and I think that's what I was saying about it being a learnt experience. Yeah. I think if you move cultures for the first time when you're older, it probably is harder because you're more yeah. set in your ways, and yeah. I think young people have got um, perhaps less rigid maps yeah, yeah you know that the maps that we adopt yeah are based on strategy they're yeah. the things that have been really effective and if you've used one way of looking at things for a in really a specific long time, environment that in they're a specific used to. environment yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you know you've done that for many many years it is going to probably be harder yeah but a lot of people that I know as well as people that I work with and as people that I interviewed um, if you've changed cultures quite often it doesn't make it easier yeah uh, but you are quicker to adapt and one of one of the things that came out from people who um, grew and who felt that it was beneficial to them to have changed cultures was that they when something went wrong when they got stuck and when things weren't working they were more open to the possibility that there was a way for it to get right and that they just hadn't found it yet. Yeah. And so they had that predisposition 
which had been learnt. So learnt experience because they've gone through that transition process in the past. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I can yeah, give yeah. you an example, a really, really silly, silly example, that, her words, not mine, of, of somebody who'd moved to America and was trying to operate an ATM machine. And apparently ATM, I didn't know this, I haven't used an ATM machine in America, but apparently uh, they don't work in the same way as the UK. Um, in fact, I've forgotten how she told me it did work, but, but basically she'd put her card in and she was trying to input the number and get the money out in the same way and it just wouldn't work. Okay. And when she approached the, the bank teller, um, the person who came just obviously thought that she was stupid and couldn't understand that she couldn't understand. Gotcha. And, yeah, and yeah. so she felt very humiliated and very upset and disproportionately upset yeah. and ended up crying in the bank right. because nobody would show her how to work the ATM machine and they were all treating her as if she was stupid. Um, and eventually someone did come and help her, but she, she just said now, if she went to another country and something didn't work, she would be calmer because yep. her assumption would be that it wasn't her and it wasn't that the machine had broken. It was that there was some knowledge that she hadn't yet got and somebody would be along to help her at some point. Okay. So, so she, she's got a much more sort of... Yeah. I mean, that taps into resilience, right? Yeah. You're going through those Definitely. challenging times yeah. in a different culture and getting yeah. used to that. That, that element of saying well look it's not gonna it's not we're never gonna get to a point where it's you know i'm not gonna die from this yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, you know this isn't gonna be fatal or you know, i'm feeling fatalistic and sometimes you need to go through some of those challenges yeah. to learn from the learn from the experience or, or even grow from a second wave positive psychology there's a great deal of research happening now in adversarial growth yeah yeah, um, yeah. Jabrowski, and he, he basically said in order to grow as a person you have to go, through, the go through adversity yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly we know that in adverse situations some people really do grow and flourish more than they feel than they would have done had life continued on a, yeah. on a more even keeled contingent and, and it's interesting because one of the things that I'm writing about at the minute is um in the in the book that i'm writing to go with the podcast is the benefit of making mistakes and learning from those mistakes do you think as humans we need to make mistakes to learn from them i think it's very difficult to learn if you don't make mistakes yeah. so when i was a teacher um i used to say quite often that especially articulating mistake is a gift to the class yeah because yeah. we all make mistakes to learn and we have to, i think one of the, so things, the teacher admitting they'd made a mistake or, well i think that's part of it okay. actually but yeah absolutely I, th I think this desire that we have to be infallible and perfect is really damaging to everybody i think it's damaging to society yeah. as well because it's unrealistic isn't it hugely yeah um but yeah and but but children are very frightened oh, well, not just children people are very frightened of being wrong and being judged yeah, in front yeah. of, in front of other people. It's so. funny the um, the, re the reason part of the reason that I do this podcast is so I can hopefully be a good role, be a good dad and role model. Mm. Um, and uh, I've got a in the interest of sharing, I've got a favourite <laughs> story at the minute where I made a absolutely ridiculous mistake. Did I tell you about this the other day when we spoke on the phone? I'm I don't think sure. I did. I don't think right. so. so I, I, my dad's 72 right. and he, um, every year we, we <clears throat> what we try and do is carve out time to spend together every year. So we book a holiday. Okay. And this year we went to Gibraltar, um, which is quite an interesting place because it is like the UK just compartmentalised in Spain there's an yeah, MS yeah. on the I've high street and stuff like that so typically I book it um, and let my dad know and we uh, we arrived at the airport um, uh, and got in a taxi to go to the hotel and the hotel was called the Hotel Gibraltar and got in the taxi and the taxi driver said I really can't take it to that hotel and I said why not it's 10 o'clock at night I don't want how am I going to get there uh, why can't you take us to this hotel he said that hotel's not in Gibraltar it's in Spain yeah. and it was over the border so as you know because you've yeah. been the border is like yeah. literally five minutes away I looked at it on Google Maps assuming that 
the hotel Gibraltar right. was in Gibraltar and we had to take our passports out every day so uh my 72 year old dad wasn't particularly happy about having to <laughs> okay. to uh to do it um but it's we realized after a day that it's just one of those things yeah. isn't it it's just one of those mistakes that you yeah. make yeah. that um can turn into a bit of a funny story and you can just say look like actually you've got to sometimes live those experiences yeah. to, to turn around and go you know what it's quite good fun so in the interest of sharing yeah what um what mistake what what funny story have you got on a mistake you've made um well i can't I've, I've made loads of mistakes but what what you've just prompted in me is one of the things that's helped me get over those mistakes okay so um i came across this on the psychology today blog it was put there by a guy called greg on reeks who's okay. fantastic and it's the calm um way of dealing with mistakes that you make so c for curious okay a for accepting L for loving and kind to yourself. Okay. And M motivated to learn. Okay, interesting. So I was somebody who would be really anxious about getting things right and being on time particularly. And I've, I've got a relatively new business. It's been going just over a year. Um, and one of the things that I, I do um, workshops on well-being um, as an associate with, with another company, Worth It Education. Okay. Um, and... I had a booking at a school in in a large city not far from where I lived okay. and so I'd put it I'm, I always have to be early yeah. you know, because of contingency and traffic um, and I'd, I'd put in the name and the address of the school and it was a, a C of E school so it was bloody blah C of E school and I turned up 40 minutes early and said hi I'm here to deliver um, ready to go yeah. ready to go and they went who what and I, I had one of those I was thinking have I got the wrong day have I got the and, and then I said there isn't another school <laughs> of the same name it was one of three schools of right. the same name in the same city okay okay one of which was 15 minutes from that school and one of which was half an hour drive and this was now approaching rush hour because it was a twilight oh, session no. and you guess which one I was I was in so it was the half hour one wasn't it, it? Was the yeah half hour. Okay. so I I phoned the school and I said I was coming and I was thinking before I'd done the positive psychology and lots of other techniques and I thought I'm going to practice this curious so why did I get it wrong well I didn't put the postcode in for a start yeah. but I had made an assumption like you'd made an assumption about Hotel Gibraltar that um, you know there was only one school of that name in one city and and then I thought okay accepting it's happened I'm here there's nothing I can do about yeah. it so yeah. I can only get there as fast as I can loving towards myself that's an interesting one because um You've got your metacognitive observer, that inner voice that just yeah. inner critic tell, oh, you're so stupid, you should have checked, you should, you know. But actually, if you were talking to a good friend of yours or, or to your daughter... What would you say? What yeah. would you say? Would you call them the names that you call yourself in yeah. your head? Or would you say, do you know what? Yeah, you should have checked, but anyone could have made that mistake. It's a, it's a, a mistake that's common to humanity. Yeah. It, isn't, yeah. it isn't an idiotic thing to have done. You could, you, you know have done something else but you're not a bad person because of it yeah. and you're doing what you can to put it right which leads on to that m which is motivated to learn yeah i thought will i ever make that mistake again not what, you, well I, I i'm definitely it was funny because on the on the long 15 minute walk to the hotel my mm. dad said didn't you check the address and the fact that i had um uh the fact that i had google mapped it and i knew yeah. it was a 15 minute walk yeah and it was called the Hotel Gibraltar yeah. in a website that was, I googled hotels in Gibraltar, I assume. Yeah, yeah. But again, you, you just it's learn that, from it's, that. It's right, it's that map of the world that just needed adjusting to yeah. take that in. And it's the kind of mistake that people make culturally all the time when they're in a different environment. You know what, I think that I've got a bit of an optimistic bent as well. And, yeah. and, and it, it wasn't we got to the we got to the hotel and we had a beer and i i my two my two optimistic perspectives on it was number one that's another story for the bank of stuff that's right. gone wrong and right. i can just enjoy telling later yeah. and then number two was um 
uh, will never cross the border as much in one holiday ever again. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so you can sort yeah. of, I, I suppose you can skew it in whatever perspective and you actually, want. And actually, when you? I arrived, I, I was only about five minutes late when I came in. Um, a, I felt really proud of myself for being calm. Yeah. You know, whereas before I perhaps wouldn't have been. But secondly, it made a great story when I'm talking to teachers about well-being. Yeah. About yeah. something that I've literally just lived, lived yeah. and practically applied myself. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 and that, and it goes back to that sort of living the resilience thing, exactly doesn't it? That. And saying look, exactly. I've coped with it. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's the that's one of the big things that 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 that's interesting because you you're in a position where you've got to live that you know. I think when you're having conversations with people, the fact that you are not perfect, none of yeah, us yeah. are, and you can actually communicate that well, I yeah. think goes a long way with having conversations with people. So you mentioned you've started a new business, The yes. Curious Human, which yeah. is an amazing name for a business. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've got a bit of business name envy now. <laughs> um, tell us about the work you do there. Okay, so the work that I do most of is training and speaking at conferences um i I do a lot of talking at international conferences i work with so um english uk for example are the membership company for language schools in in england and i've spoken at a couple of their conferences student experience conference and um uh, their academic conference and then on the basis of that quite a lot of the schools will book me to go and work in the schools with them working on improving well-being so sure. I, it, it's really important to me I was a teacher for many years myself I, I work in other kinds of schools as well I also work with universities with students transitioning into higher education um, and with students particularly from non-traditional academic backgrounds um, but when I was a teacher we there was more and more concern about young people's mental health and I'd done some mental health training I'm a mental health first aider Um, I've done various various bits of training but I think becoming aware of what can go wrong without having the professional background to know quite what to do about it is potentially dangerous okay Um, a we get what we look for so if you're particularly alert and you're on the lookout for anxiety for depression for eating disorders you're going to see an awful lot of it mm. there, there can be a tendency on, on on the part of teachers to either identify students and then move them to the counselor and then think oh that's dealt with i don't have to get involved anymore yeah. or to try to rescue or save save yeah. in a way that you're not actually properly qualified to do sure or, or just to know not not know what to do and then feel paralyzed what i loved about positive psychology when i found out about it was it gives you really practical strategies for raising everybody's well-being yeah and i don't know if you've seen that the, the the meme on facebook about equality versus equity um, no. so you've got three three little people um by a wall and the littlest one can't see over and the middle one can't see over and the big one can and then um they're all given one box and the the tallest one and the middle one can now see over but the littlest one still can't because the box isn't big enough so that's equality they've all got the same stool to stand on and then the next picture along you've got the little one standing on two boxes okay and the middle one standing on one box, and then the the tall one doesn't need a box to see over sure, the wall, and that's sure. equity. Yeah. So you're giving support. But I, 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 I suppose I suppose the challenge you've got potentially with uh, taking a problem focused approach with yeah, yeah. mental health first aid is you're helping the person who can't see over the wall at all, and the people in the middle aren't given the tools and techniques right. to potentially do it. Right. So the third picture is the wall's been removed and there's a a link chain fence so all of them can see through it without needing that special and to me that's what positive psychology does it raises everybody's mental health and particularly if you're looking at people in transition their mental health is more vulnerable 
Um, it's something teachers can do, not just teachers, accommodation providers, managers in, in the workplace. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's relatively simple to start to make incremental gains. It's not simple to change a whole culture. Mm. It takes time, it takes effort, and it takes the people in charge to do it themselves. Yeah, well, that's interesting because you need <laughs> cultural change yeah, within the organisations you work in, right? Yeah. Um, and is it is it the work you do? Is it primarily with students or supporting um, teachers? How does it how does it split? I would say about a third with students and about two thirds with teachers, and then I I still do one to one coaching. Okay. So with individuals who are themselves um, undergoing change, I work with some senior leaders who are moving. In fact, I'm 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 teaching and um, coaching across three time zones at the moment. Okay. I'm working with some leaders of um, charities in Africa. So luckily, we've got Zoom. I can. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Can work but, but people who are themselves who who have a particular um, wish to understand what's happening to them, people who are struggling with change. Uh, there, there's an awful lot that can be done in terms of understanding the trajectory. Mm. I don't know if you've come across Gullahorn uh, and Gullahorn's Culture Shop W Curve. I haven't, no. Okay, so that, that there are, is some argument against it, but uh, as well, like everything in academia, but essentially it shows that when you go into a new situation, and it was based on international transition, you start off feeling hope and optimism. It's like the honeymoon period. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You've made a choice, you've made a move, it's really exciting. Um, and then things start to wear off. And if it, if it were an international um, transition, it would be the food's not quite the same as the gotcha. food at home, the weather's not quite the same. But actually what's happening is whenever you do something new, when you start, you don't know what you don't know. And you start to find that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And because you're learning, you become tired. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. also, as humans, we have a familiarity bias. We like what sure. we know. So, so although we have a novel, you know, we really like novelty and new things, we also miss what's familiar. So all of those things start yeah. to combine and you start to slide down the well-being. Yeah. So that was the first part of the interview. What did you think? And more to come from Ruth in the next couple of weeks. Why did you uh, just start singing the Dora the Explorer theme, Jen? I don't know. Okay, because in the exam earlier, I double-checked my paper, answered all my questions, and I was like, what can I do to pass this Sing Dora 15 the- minutes I have left? So I went through my brain kind of databank thingy, and I picked out all the themes... Was you in your mind palace? Yes. Is that what you were doing? And I was picking out all the theme songs that I know. So out comes the Digimon theme, Pokemon, Captain Underpants, the other three Digimon themes I know. How many Digimon themes are there? Uh, one for every season, so like uh, ten. Okay. But I only know four of them. So I know f- did, four uh, of the Pokemon ones. Did the theme tune for Yokai Watch get a look in? It did. So did the Simpsons. Right. Um, so How about the theme tune from Fraggle Rock? Yes. Okay. Uh, and Dora the Explorer. And they were all featured like a playlist in my mind. How about the A-team? Mm, don't know it. Oh, right. <laughs> Before we crack on with the show, listeners, we need to get a bit of A-team into our lives. So just for Charlotte's benefit, but also so that uh, our more middle-aged... Uh, I've got Ed Sheeran come up. Um, uh, <laughs> Only A-team I know, uh, for, for our middle-aged listeners, here's a bit of a blast from the past. Here's a little bit of the A-team team theme, Jude. Even in the dark, with improved night side. Here we go. So it starts off strong with some drums. I do know this. Has it got any words? No, it has. I don't know them. It, it's, it's definitely got words because it starts off about the uh, the fact that they've... Um, uh, um, the phrase Thunderbirds are go, got to look right, in somewhere. Right. So, so, <laughs> so let me let me, let me me see if we can get the old... Uh, <laughs> so let's see if we can get... That's squad, isn't it? 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 
It's amazing. It's a great theme tune. Oh no, he's a fanboy. <laughs> I love the A team. When I was like 10, it was on Saturday afternoons. Absolutely loved it. We're not here to talk about the A team though. We are here to talk about last week's question of the podcast, which was what musical instrument can you play? Or what musical instrument would you love to be amazing at? And we had quite a lot of comments. Uh, Mikey Lambeau said, I slap the bass, can play guitar averagely, and could do a little uh, a little bit on those little drum machine mixer things, and a wee bit of mandolin. Ooh. Or when I just bought an electric double bass to learn. Amanda Smead said, drums I would like to play, piano guitar I like to hear. Tamsin Kane said, I can play the clarinet and sax. I love to be great at the piano like my dad, and I always wanted to play the oboe when I was younger. Nick Ramsden says he can play the drums. Carol Staunton said, I better go at a few things. My weapons of choice are the recorder. <laughs> classic. The, the, tenor. The, the obligatory primary school instrument. Oh, everybody's played the recorder. Everyone's played the recorder. And the, um, and the E-flat horn. I had to go with the violin, but wasn't so good. Um, clearly, Carol's better at the blowy ones than the swipey ones. Yeah. Uh, Caroline Thompson said, I can play the flute, although I'm a bit rusty now. Would love to play the oboe or harp. John Cook said he can play a little piano keyboard. How about big piano keyboard? Do you reckon he's not as good as that? <laughs> Do you imagine he's um, got a little one? He just, plays, a little, little he just plays it with two fingers. Tiny little piano. I'd love to be better. Get a bigger keyboard. Um, <laughs> Alan Bowley said I can play guitar but haven't played for a while. Does that count? Can be if you want to. Michelle uh, Hughes-Gage said I like singing. I can't play any instrument. Not even the spoons. I love the spoons. I'd love you to teach me how to play the steel drums. Well, what am I? What am I? One day, one day we will get a steel drums, put it in the garage at the back, and we'll have a little band, start a little band. But before we do that, I am going to, at some point over the next few weeks, play the A Team theme tune on the spoons for the podcast. Um, uh, but uh, Michelle will pick the piano. She learned it as a child, but didn't put, uh, pursue it. And Andy Fanoe said, I can play the drums, but I haven't been behind a kit in a while. Now, when I first read that, I thought it said, hadn't been behind a kilt in a while. Um, oh, bagpipes. Which, which means <laughs> nobody wants to play the bagpipes. <laughs> nobody wants to play the bagpipes. Um, and then we had some from Twitter as well. So, um, uh, Twitter... Um, at DJ uh, Mena Kek UK said, I like the saxophone. Saxophone? Saxophone. Kate Shaw said, I play viola, flute and piano. I'd love to be able to play the oboe and cello. cello. David Brooks said, bass guitar and saxophone, but would love to be an amazing drummer. Um, uh, Eve Keith said, I always wanted to play the guitar, but after an embarrassing term of lessons... The teacher gave up on me. Oh, oh no. no. Um, David Brooks said, um, you should have tried the bass to Eve much easier. Um, and Alistair Cunningham said, I'm going to learn to do the drums when I retire. Um, Heidi Ball said, I used to, she used to play the double bass at school and would love to start music lessons with the violin and recorder. Um, and that, my friends was the end of that. That was all of our musical instruments. Our listeners are so talented. They are amazing listeners. Thank you very much. Have a lovely week and we'll see you next week for more of the Kindness Project. Bye. Bye.